Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Well, good morning, everybody. This is uh, not Scott Mosby. Greg Damon helping Scott Mosby out today. You know, it's always great when uh, I'm able to help Scott out and uh, facilitate his show. We have somebody here from Mosby Building Arts in the studio with us, but I have to tell you today, my friends, it's going to be a little bit different because with us today, we have the man, the myth, the mystery, the legend that is Scott Mosby. Scott, how you doing? Hello. Good morning, Greg. Good to see you. Good, good to see you on the radio, too, Scott. <laughs> it's all radio, Greg. We all look great on radio. Hey, I got a face for radio, Scott, so that's that's the way it goes. <laughs> Yeah, how you been well, it's doing? Kind of chilly there. It, I'm doing fine, Mr. Greg. It's uh, yes, it is. Uh, it is uh, quite chilly, and uh, I tell you, got I'm looking forward to the show. Obviously, uh, we haven't uh, haven't been able to do our do the show together, and uh, I, I'm really looking forward to it. We threatened to do uh, a show on garages some time ago. We are. We're going to do it. We just all right. Let's do that. I'm good for that. We have to. We have to get together and and do that. Talk about some uh, some uh, garage tactics for uh, all the car guys out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, l- let me ask you this, Greg. Uh, what kind of car lifts uh, would you suggest on a home garage? We can talk about that and all sorts of things on today's two-hour show. Sure, absolutely. We're more, I'm more than happy. You know me, Scott. I'm, I'm always happy to lend my opinion whether it's needed or not. <laughs> well, what do you know about <laughs> car lifts in garage? We've installed a few, and uh, they tend to go in right on top of the existing garage uh, concrete floor. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually uh, it's actually kind of nice because uh, all the lifts manufactured today uh, do not go inside the ground. I guess you can still buy them, but it's really not feasible to do that. They're all above ground lifts, is what they're called, and uh, you know, it just it depends on how high the ceiling is, as as to how high that you're you know able to. Uh, uh, to able to put the car up in the air so you can get under it. I mean, me, you know, I'm old yeah. and fat, so I like it all the way up in the air. That way, I, <laughs> you know, I don't have to bang my head on anything. So, well, it it turns out if you've got the height in an existing garage, we find that you know by designing it with a taller ceiling, you can stack two cars. So right. the play car can go up on the lift on the top. You can do servicing to it or not, but it tends to turn a two car garage into a four car garage. Although it's not front to back, it's top to bottom, and it's kind of fun. And uh, then the homeowners can do the maintenance on their uh, collector car or uh, whatever uh, turns them on. Yeah, you know, Scott, I, when my wife and I were looking for houses, uh, you know, back when we bought our first house, I always told her, I'm like, you know, the kind of, the kind of house that I want is I want a seven-car garage and a one-room house. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, obviously that doesn't work in my favor, so... Well, we've had that conversation with clients on many occasions, and it seems to be a universal male trait. Occasionally, it's a female trait. So I've found uh, women homeowners, uh, you know, that uh, the wives demanding the drop-top car for, you know, Sundays and good weather, and, you know, the the husband is not necessarily the car geek. So uh, I've had uh, kindred spirits with uh, women as much as I have men. Well, no, I do agree with that a hundred percent on that. And plus, you know, let's let's be realistic. So, you know, in in my house, I have a two car garage, and and you know, one side is the lawnmowers and everything else, and the other <laughs> side, my wife parks into. So it's always my car outside that's, you know, I got to clean off in the morning. So, oh yeah, what well, car for his car for her, and then a uh, bay for us. <laughs> Toys, bikes, lawnmowers, maintenance. That's yep. right. Exactly. That's what I need. I need a bay for storage. I need uh, 
a two-car deep garage, so, you know, I can have one with off the lift, one with a lift, and then, uh, you know, you can have, then a next, a next bay would be a nice uh, man cave where you got a nice TV and you got a couch and stuff, and then she can have the final, final uh, bay there for the, uh, for pulling in. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, uh, next, I guess we could talk about electrical. We can talk about that in the coming breaks as we get out into what kind of an electric panel, why, what things you would put in a garage, you know, for maintenance and restoring and all. Uh, we can talk about the, how many amps it takes to keep, you know, the auto he- the auto head happy. <laughs> it's got, you better get, I'll tell you what, Scott, you better get some, uh, you better get some big electrical in there because, you know, I- I'm going to, I'm going to want to run everything all the time, so. Well, it's, it's like horsepower. You, there's never enough. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like Tim the Tool Man. I want it, you know, go big or go home. If it takes, if six is sufficient, 12 is better. So, Well, as we can talk about the electric, we can also get into the heat. I mean, on a day like today, you know, it's pretty chilly in the mornings overnight. And, you know, how do you keep the chill off, you know, do you heat the floor? Do you heat the air? How quickly can you recover with a bar joist heater, electric, gas, whatever it is? So we can talk about electric. We can talk about how to heat the space, you know, for what's the most comfortable, what's the most affordable, you know, and on and on and on. So much. I mean, gearheads are gearheads, but sometimes we just like to keep our feet warm. Nope. I agree 100%, Scott. I tell you what, I'm all over like a bum on a baloney sandwich. So uh, <laughs> how about we take a quick break and we'll come back and get into it? Right on, Greg. Sounds great. All right, fantastic. Hey, this is the Helitech Home Improvement Show here on KMOX, a Saturday at your service. Greg Damon sitting in. Also, Scott Mosby with us here as well. You want to join us? Real easy to do. 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. Those are the phone numbers if you want to get on two hours today of the Home Improvement Show here on a Saturday at your service. Give us a call, 314-436-7900, one 925 1120. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after these. Hey, your home stinks. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, my friends, to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show here on a Saturday at your service on KMOX. Greg Damon in studio, Scott Mosby alongside as well. And uh, we're going to answer all your questions here. I should say Scott's going to answer all your questions here on the uh, Home Improvement Show. As you know, I can't really do anything like that. Um, But anyway, Scott's here. He's going to take care of all that as well here on the Home Improvement Show at your service on KMOX. Here's the phone numbers you want to get on, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Well, Scott, before the break, we were talking about uh, garages and, and, you know, like, my my dream house and 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 everything else like that and I've been thinking over the break of just how much stuff I want to put in there. This better be like a nine car garage now. Well, that's the first question. Uh, how how many bays? How much space? How much storage do you want? Number one, and then number two, what will the lot and the real estate handle once you go for the side setbacks, rear setbacks, and then likewise <laughs> your roommate, typically the wife or the spouse. You know how much of this structure does he or she want to look at and uh, how secure can it be? So, you know, it's just a big toy box. It, how big would yours be? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly a toy box. I'm, and I'm thinking I better go buy some lottery tickets tonight because it's, it's going to cost a lot of money for me to, to get this the way I want it. Well, that's a good point because with a garage, typically <clears throat> it is a house. 
It has a foundation. It has a roof. It has structure. It has electrical. It has lighting. It has doors and windows. Then you have this garage door. Then it gets insulated. And oh, by the way, if you want the off season during the winter cold months, and even sometimes during the summer, we air condition a good bit of these uh, garage toy boxes. And then how do you heat it? Where do you heat it? Uh, how much control do you have on turning the, the, the heat on and off? Because, you know, granted, you know, you may go three, four weeks without ever going out in the garage to do any fun work or whatever. And, you know, you don't like heating that thing year round. Generally, uh, uh, you know, a couple of engine blocks will heat a well-insulated garage pretty well. You know, also, let's throw in some ventilation, too, because if you have a car and they're oh. running, obviously you don't want to have a, have it <clears throat> the carbon monoxide just building up inside the garage or have to have the garage door open. So I would need some sort of ventilation as well. Yeah, you're uh, typically, you know, the pipe hose that goes through the wall. We don't like to put them through the garage doors anymore because homeowners aren't quite as schooled as, you know, the pros. The pros <laughs> remember to disconnect and shut off the car before they run up the overhead door. Um, you know, at home, you know, the weekend warriors typically sometimes have that hose running up, you know, with the garage door if we put it. So we like to run them through the permanent wall of the house and, and uh, you know, get it connected that way for carbon monoxide exhaust. Yeah, you know, one of the shops that I used to work at, they had a really uh, neat system where it was actually above everything with a PVC tube that hung down. And then you attach the hose to the PVC tube and then attach it to the car. And then it had a uh, had a blower on it on one end that would actually uh, push the air out or push the the exhaust outside the building. So I, I and and it was actually up in the air. So even if you were outside, you wouldn't smell it. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, then it has to be high temperature PVC. Even some of the code, it you know, you mentioned the pits and the car lifts. You know what's happened with. Um, you know, the petrochemicals, the oil, gas leaks, anything like that, you know, what the building codes and safety and fire code requirements have become more aware or more therefore stringent. So some of these, uh, you know, exhaust systems, you know, dust collectors for the woodworkers, they have to be explosion proof. And the more demanding you get your garage, the more demanding your electrical system gets. So for a recreational garage, You have to be very careful. I mean, this is why we have architects, because how the use group or what you label that structure for defines how expensive the electric is, the exhaust, the makeup air, the heating and cooling. I mean, you know, going to work for a professional shop, the way that building is built with, you know, iron pipe for electrical conduit as opposed to, you know, duplexes coming through the wall with Romex in a wood structure garage. It's a very different world. So, you know, code awareness and design and just calling it by the proper name for a residential, uh, you know, uh, recreational garage is is important. Well, let's just uh, I'm just going to go through through my whistle list here, Scott. And, uh, you know, because I, and, I, and, and I've got an open checkbook. I was going to say, let me uh, let me get another seven pages ready to go here, Craig, as I go. <laughs> well, you know, first thing, I, I would think the garage should be detached because I'd be wanting to do some welding and cutting and things like that in there. So so as a, as a fireproof structure, I don't want to say fireproof, but, you know, I, I wouldn't want it attached to my permanent home in, in case there was some sort of uh, some sort of accident. Yeah, that's just good common sense, uh, you know, if you think about it. That drives the building code. If it's an attached structure, you know, this thing has to be, you know, all building codes and safety design assumes that the worst will happen. 
So imagine this garage under full-blown, you know, ignition, flames 10 feet tall. Uh, a detached structure is just simply safer, therefore less costly to build than if you have an adjacent structure on it. So absolutely, I, I totally agree with a detached garage for safety reasons. And, you know, in fireworks uh, design, even hundreds of years ago, the Chinese, when they would make fireworks, they made them all in little bitty huts. They never made all this in one big type, what we would call today as a factory setting. So if one hut blew up, you know, they lost one fireworks guy and they lost some dynamite, but they didn't really blow up the entire facility. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I should be laughing at that, but it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I'm sorry. Well, in military design, they use the same logic, but you and I, you know, we're just out in the backyard, but same right. logic, you know, good design is, you know, is good anticipating, uh, you know, safe existence. Hopefully my wife's not listening so she gets any ideas. That's Well, I, I heard that she <laughs> crawled under the bed. She's getting worried. <laughs> that could be, that could be. Oh my gosh, Greg's talking garages. I better get... Get down, get safe. So, so next up is going to have to be this uh, this big whomping compressor, air compressor that I'm going to have oh, to put in, yeah. because you know everything that that I'm going to do in the garage, you know, I'm I'm old, fat, and lazy, so I'm not turning stuff by hand anymore. You know, I'm going to need to use my air tool, so I'm going to have to have a you know a, a pretty pretty sizable compressor to be able to run you know my impacts, my air ratchets, my uh, sanders, or or what else I'm ever going to use. Yeah, yeah, well, then, and then how noisy do you want it to be? So, well, you know, the size of the tank and all of that, do you want that thing off in a separate room as well, or do you want to hear that thing fire off when it goes? No, nope, that, was, that was what I was going to say, is we're going to have to have create some sort of separate uh, garage structure next to the garage to house the compressor. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you want to keep that out of the weather, so. Yes, yes. But, you know, it's that's a noisy thing when those things fire on, and if you're not anticipating it when it loses air, uh, you know, pers- maybe it doesn't bother you, but for a non-compressor guy like me, when those things fire up, they, they scare the bejeebas out of me. I gotta, I'll got i tell you a funny story, Scott. So in my house, I have a, a compressor, you know, and uh, so I, I don't know. I was uh, filling up the kids' bike tires or something, and, and uh, I forgot to shut it off. So <clears throat> here I am, you know, it's like uh, 1230 at night, and I hear this this noise, and I'm like, wake up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? You know, what? You know, and, and just keeps going on and on. I get up and I'm looking through the house, you know, and I finally realized that I left the compressor on. And I had to run out and shut it off. So, <laughs> yeah, well, they're uh, a big compressor makes big noise. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, not only that, you talked about electric. It's going to talk. It's going to take. Uh, it's going to take some pretty big amperage to run that compressor, even if you use a three phase motor. Yeah. Well, three phase is a little bit hard to get uh, residentially. So uh, you know, two twenty is plenty. Um, you know, typically just a 220, two-pole, you know, yeah, those bigger ones can use a 30, 40 amp, but generally a 30 amp will run most of the good-sized compressors with an, you know, an 80-gallon tank. It, it's just how fast they recover. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's only one guy using it. There's not like an industrial, you know, in a shop where you've got multiple people using air constantly, so. Yes, yes. So, uh, obviously, with that, you spoke about uh, heating the structure. Obviously, uh, I, I would certainly want it to be heated. You would need some sort of overhead-type uh, heating structure, although in one of the floors, um, I would have to have a heated floor. And the reason being for that is is I would probably want to wash my car in there in the wintertime. Yep. Well, the issue with that then gets to be uh, that's a big deal. Um 
So we will actually we built a lot of these garages. We haven't built one with a floor drain because wherever there's gasoline and oil, if it connects to the sanitary sewer, now we have explosion possibilities of blowing up, you know, the uh, street sewers. So generally, we will have a gravity drain and just organically drain it because it gets it, it gets obscenely expensive and sometimes prohibitive. We get it, you know, grease traps. Um, you know, we get into isolation and pits. Uh, it, it's just a big deal. So anyway, heating the floor is easy. And, and frankly, it gets a simple, Greg, uh, it, we just put some, you know, hot water tubing in the concrete before we pour the concrete and it gets heated generally by a small water heater. It takes very little to run and heat that, uh, concrete. So anyway, but yeah, beware your, uh, wash the car in the middle of the winter. You're better off taking it to the car wash because it'll cost you somewhere between 10 and $50,000 to have a floor drain. Well, now remember I said, I got an open checkbook here. So, you know, well, yeah, well, there you go. <clears throat> well, and that's, yeah. it, and that was going to bring up my other thing is, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing to your vehicle. If you're changing oil or whatever, you're still going to have some sort of spillage, some sort of, uh, stuff that you can't collect and it's going to go on the floor. Well, there's got to be some place that you got right. you have to put that. So, you'd have to have some sort of drain which would turn into a uh uh you know, we we've, we've always called it a pit or a trap um, right, in, right. in the shop where, you know, that periodically that uh uh like in the city of Wentzville, you know, they actually have to come out and pump that out twice yes, a year. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's the same as a restaurant. Restaurants have grease traps. And, you know, for you, it's an oil trap or a petrochemical trap. You know, basically, don't let that stuff get into the system. So I, I get it. It's a big deal. What if I just took a hose and just drained it into my neighbor's yard? Uh, actually, that is, uh, <laughs> once you get excessive on that, it's a problem. But generally, that's pretty well allowed. It's not a big deal, you know, to have normal soot off a residential garage and as long as you're not doing commercial repairs out of that, you know, and the zoning use group is just for, you know, a, a, a fun garage or toy box, it's not a big deal. You I know, know, again, how much is, you know, when do you stop being a good neighbor? That's about time that the safety code and fire code starts getting pretty excited. <laughs> it depends if I like my neighbor or not, I guess. Yeah, right. Well, you know, <laughs> it, you just flow the ga gasoline on over there and, you know, ignition could be fun. That's right. You know, maybe a road flare. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh -oh. Scott, we got to take another break real quick here, and uh, we'll come back, have some more fun talking about garages. What do you say? Sure, sure. Let's see if we can get some callers going and heck, get some people, some other gearheads on the line. Absolutely. You want to join us on the air here? 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. We'll be right back. Stick around. This is the Helitech. Home Improvement Show on KMOX, Saturday at your service. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, my friends. 1134 right here in the heart of mid-America on the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby, Greg Damon, hanging out with you today here on a Saturday at your service. And, uh, Scott, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm just having so much fun talking about garages. Well, I hope somebody else is listening in and enjoying it as well. You and I are certainly having fun talking garages. I love building them. I love uh, fixing stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm a garage tool guy as well. So, uh, 
you know, most of my uh, patients are not automobiles. They tend to be lawnmowers, <laughs> bicycles, and other mechanical devices. I have enough sense to bring the rest to you. I, I got to tell you, I, I uh, you know, I, I just, I, I just love tinkering with, uh, with mechanical things, and and, uh, you know, it's 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 always it's been my greatest joy. And it's, it doesn't matter if it's an automobile or anything else. When folks are like, "Oh, I can't fix this," and then they bring it over, and I'm, you know get really involved into it and then all of a sudden I'm able to repair it. I that's that's kind of that's kind of really cool to me. So Well, that's that's the kind of person that goes into some sort of a tool or trade uh, whether it's construction or plumbing, heating, electrical, uh automobile, all of those things that natural mechanical mind that gets it as you and I might term it. You know, those are the male and female minds that we're looking for. And generally, they're pretty high energy. So, you know, it takes a good bit uh, to power through the day and, you know, get her done, if you will. Yep, absolutely. i tell you what, we got some uh, folks here on hold. Let's go to the phones. How about we talk to Dave? Hey, Dave, guess what? You're up here on the Home Improvement Show. Great. Uh, my suggestion is uh, before you lay the uh, concrete floor in, uh, have the thing plumbed for uh, a bathroom and a shower. Uh, I mean, if you're laying underneath a car and you spill something, you know, on you, and you don't want to come dragging that stuff back to the house and getting all sorts of trouble. Um, and then when you go to sell the house, uh, you can make it, make it into a band stage or whatever because they've got the indoor plumbing in it. They, you know, you can make a mother-in-law's house out of it. Well, yeah. I, I, go ahead, Scott. Well, Dave, that's that's true. Uh, that is one of the conversations that happens all the time. You'd be surprised who mixes that, uh, because when you get into a shower, we often have we go right to the zoning authorities, because when we do that, you know, it's exactly the logic. If I'm going to get dirty and greasy out in the yard doing lawn work, come in, maintain yeah. the mower, whatever it is, I want to leave all that dirt, take a shower. That makes it uh, from a single family structure to what the code or zoning ordinances would consider um, uh, two residences in a single-family residence neighborhood. So uh, the negotiation that goes on outside of with the homeowner, the client, is how far can we go before you deem this as the zoning ordinance uh, officer that it's two houses and oftentimes it's exactly the shower. They will allow a toilet. They will allow a hand sink. Uh, but I would say very seldom have we been uh, authorized to put in a shower in a full bathroom or three-quarter bath, as you and I might think of it. Um, you know, unless we're out in a rural setting where it's not high density, because uh, and it's the same thing. This is the same thing as that small house or tiny house thing that uh, is it, so important that people don't realize you put a tiny house in the backyard, uh, although it helps on the affordability and density, it's a double load on the sewer system. And that's kind of how uh, the zoning ordinances, they're not worried about who's building it now. They're worried about when that structure sells, who's going to move in with a second family in a rental place, because uh, it, it's a, uh, it's um that's our biggest challenge in building these garages is how far we can go with a bathroom uh, they'll let us put in a microwave they'll let us put in everything if we don't have a kitchen sometimes they'll let us put in a three-quarter bath and a shower um but you know if it walks like a duck and looks like a duck uh, you know it's a second structure and a second family residence uh, you know and zoning is our biggest challenge so it's you know, keep in mind on, on these unusual structures, 
uh, we have three parties at the table. One is the zoning and code enforcement. Uh, next is the architect and builder. And the third is the client, even though the client says, it's my house, I pay taxes and I own it. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, on your, on your zoning, uh, we would likely have to be in unincorporated St. Louis County, and we got the thing properly rezoned for light industrial. So we could be out there at 3 o'clock in the morning working on a race car, and we didn't have to worry about the, you know, sure, pound on the door, say, hey, the neighbors up the hill are complaining. Uh, if you get the thing zoned for light industrial, uh, it's, it's well worth it. You can work out there as long as you want, as late as you want, and uh, the neighbors can't call the cops on you. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, gen- generally getting it rezoned brings all of those neighbors into that conversation. That's I really honor you and congratulate you on having the foresight to do that because it really, you know, then anything you do on that site, neighbors are fine with. They've already had their opportunity to voice their concerns. Yeah, we'd go to the gateway for the, you know, the drag races and that, and you'd screw up something Saturday afternoon and you want to be back on the race for Sunday. Well, we'd be out there in the garage at, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning putting things back together, you know. And, yeah, right, uh, with air wrenches. <laughs> you, you know, it, that compressor fires up, I mean, it, it, it travels through the valley, you know. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Well, Dave, I, I really, I, man, I'd love to see your garage. I, that sounds like fun. You're a drag racer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the other thing is uh, we got metal bins we got our shells in, and... Uh, there's a place over in uh, Kirkwood called Siggins Bins, and they put a open uh, grid steel uh, floor in on top of the uh, parts bins. So we've got a two-story uh, section in the back of the uh, the shop to add oh, yeah. junk. <laughs> oh yeah, so, so we call that a mezzanine. Uh, it's kind of like a car lift, but yeah, that's holy smoke. Yeah, I mean, we got like you know three rows of bins, you know, and uh, it's just like an open grate. Uh, as a you know, uh, steel set of stairs going up the side of the wall to get up to it, you know, and yeah. uh, put the bulky stuff up here that we very seldom use, you know. Oh man, that sounds like quite a facility. Well, I wish you luck in the drag racing. It sounds like you've got some fun. And uh, uh, let me ask this, Dave: How do you yeah. heat that structure? Uh, we got uh, radiant heat in the floor, and we also have it uh, just a little bit outside the garage door. So if it's doing something icy or nasty in the wintertime, we want to pull something in. We don't have to worry about sliding in and hitting the garage door. Oh, man. If you heat the floor, it doesn't take a whole lot to heat the air. Do you have a bar joist heater to respond to the air heat as well or just comment, just work on the radiant floor heat? Pretty much just work on the radiant floor heat. I mean, you know, if it gets too cold out there, we, we you know, head in the side. But uh, the radiant heat on the floor, I mean, you know, that's where you're laying on a, on a creeper underneath the car. You know, that's where the heat's at, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, at my age, you, you suck enough heat out of my shoulders that arthritis starts wearing <laughs> up. And no matter how good a mechanic I am, the the body is just not quite as capable, no matter how willing I am. Uh, I got that same problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, what class do you what uh, class do you uh, drag race in? Uh, it was uh, 56 Chevrolet. We run modified. Uh, we keep throwing more money at it, trying to make it go faster. <laughs> just... <laughs> Well, that's how it goes, Dave. The more money you got, the faster it goes. Yeah, I know. It's, it's addictive, you know. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, it, it keeps me out of taverns, and my and the wife's happy, so, you know. Yeah, if you're going to have a vice, this is a good one. 
I, I yes. consider this one a great, great vice. Although the yes. police may not term it the same, I look at it the same way. And you never tell them how much that part cost. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes you don't want to know yourself. Oh, it just shows up in the checking account, you know, sometime. But, yeah. Oh, my. Well, Dave, thanks for joining us. I, that sounds like quite a garage, and thanks for contributing to how the uh, best garage in the world gets built. Uh, if we give you a call, will you help us build Greg Damon's garage? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the, the electric uh, list for the cars, I mean, if your ceiling's high enough, you can put a car up in there and then put another car underneath it for storage in the wintertime. So yeah. you get double the parking space, you know. Do you use those in your garage? Yeah. That way we can pull them out if, if we sell the house or whatever. Uh, the yeah. compressor, I mean, it's setting, you know, bolt on both that from the, the pallet that it's on. And we can take the electric lifts out and sell them those uh, used uh, shop equipment. And you've got a bare garage. I mean, they can do whatever they want, you know. Sure, so sure. if the next guy moves in, has uh, got a, uh, a rock band or whatever, you can put a stage up at the back end of the thing and uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> zoning's uh, light industrial so he can make all the noise he wants. <laughs> well, how do you handle light, Dave? How did you illuminate this uh, structure? Right now we've got just uh, eight-foot-long uh, fluorescent bulbs, uh, but we're looking at uh, that LED stuff. I mean, it's, you know, they keep saying it's the way to go. So... Yeah, you just can replace them as they come. We have eight-foot-long bulbs, you know. Yeah, yeah. Never have enough lighting. It's like horror. Oh, no. That's that's it. (laughs) All right. Well, Dave, thanks for the visit. We appreciate the help on the ultimate garage between uh, Greg Damon and Scott Mosby. Thank you very much. Yeah, if you get the financial kind of forklift, uh, you get to step off the seconds for more that you've gone too far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you coat the floor? Did you put any kind of an epoxy or urethane coating on your floor? Uh, no, it's just uh, good old-fashioned concrete, uh, smooth, you know. Um, yeah. let, let the stains be where they're at, you know. And yeah. uh, that way if somebody wants to come in, and, you know, we didn't we, we put the expense of a, a floor in there in case somebody wants to come in and put in linoleum or, you know, laminate wood or whatever, you know. We left sure, our options sure. open and cut our costs down. Yeah, yeah. Well, that heated floor is worth more than uh, the pretty floor. So I, I really, uh, I understand how you got there. Yeah, yeah. It was it was worthwhile. You know, uh, some of these cold nights. I mean, you know, it's, it's nice and toasty warm. <laughs> oh my, nice, nice. Yeah. All yeah, right, uh, Mr. Dave. Well, thanks for the call. Appreciate the okay. contribution. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate the phone call. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much. All right. I'll tell you what, Scott, I'm going to go to his house. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, next time. I'll tell you what, we got to take a uh, quick break here on the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service. And uh, we'll be right back. Stick around. More to come. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. Saturday at your service, 1152 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America. This is the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show with our good friend Scott Mosby. Greg Damon also sitting in with you for this show as well. Uh, Scott, uh, one thing that uh, you kind of mentioned earlier, 
Um, and and I kind of and you kind of touched on it, and it made me think of something else. You know, in the in the automotive business, the average age of a technician right now is forty one years of age. That's that's wow. that's the average age, and and there's not a lot of young people that that's coming into the business, and it's really, you know, in one way it's good, it's going to drive up wages, but on the other way, it's it's going to be really tough for folks to get their cars fixed because there's not people coming in the business. I always attribute this to a lot of uh, high schools and vocational schools that have closed to where they don't have auto mechanics. And I was always wondering, you know, is that affecting your business as well? Because I know part of those trades includes construction, electrical, things like that. Is is that affecting your business? Oh, very much so. Uh, um, You know, just the aging workforce, if you will, you know, there's a lot more boomers than there are of others. Now we have younger people that are a larger part of the United States uh, but the average age of a carpenter, a carpenter some three or four years ago was mid-50s. So wow. I, I look at 41, and I consider that a pretty good thing. Uh, we're in our mid-50s for most of our trades, electricians, roofers, plumbers, painters, all of that. Uh, you know, I know at Mosby Building Arts, I would say our average age is probably in the late 40s, something like that. We haven't really polled it, but you know, we've got a good bit of experience. People, our kind of work tends to, you know, skew more towards experience, um, you know, and, and better trade skills. So we've got a thing called trades work. It's actually a website that we've had to go into the recruiting and training business ourselves, Greg, because even, even those that are getting trained are getting very cursory, high level uh, skills, you know, for, uh, you know, and the and computer world is upon you and me. I mean, you know, there are more computers in your shop than I ever thought I'd see in an auto repair place. Um, you know, so the trades now are getting closer and closer to the digital world as well. But our website is trades-work.com, T-R-A-D-E-S-work.com. And that's just, uh, it, we have our own scholarship um, you know, we bring um, unskilled workers in if they've got the right stuff to make a good employee, good worker, good work skills, you know, all the things that mothers do well in raising children. Um, it tends to be we go ahead and put them under our wing and we call them Scots Scholars. And there's a, you know, there's actually a uh, scholarship that goes along with that if they survive that first year. And we're two for two in, in just the last few years and looking for more right now. So, but yeah, trade schools, you know, shop class, my gosh, um, where do the kids go that are natural mechanics? And, and I would say largely now, you know, I, as I drive on the road, I wonder where uh, driver's ed went. And, you know, when I'm talking to trades uh, school kids, I wonder where shop class went. So I'm, I'm right on board with you there, Greg. Yeah, you know, it's 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 amazing to me because, uh, you know, when I was a kid uh, and, and going, uh, I was lucky. I, I had vocational school as part of my high school. Um, and so, you know, I, I got into obviously small engines class, went into auto mechanics after that. Uh, I am the only one out of my 32 kids that were in that class that made it my profession. Um, wow. You know, you look back at, and there was a lot of kids that, you know, when they, they didn't do good in school or, or there were kind of some troublesome kids, they're the ones that stuck them in, in the auto shop or they stuck them in the welding class as, as to try to, you know, you better work with your hands. You're not going to make anything of yourself, kind of the, the, uh, the verbiage of the day. And, and today, I'm telling you what, you have to be a, a, a technical genius because, as you and I have talked before, you know, when you, in your car, 
when you roll down the window, you don't roll down the window. You ask the computer if it's okay to roll down the window. It checks, and then it does it. If You know, you don't turn yeah. your air conditioner on. You ask the computer to do that, and, and then it'll turn the air conditioner on. So, you know, it's it, you're still working with your hands, but it, but it's just as just as technical as that. And I'm and I'm sure it's the same way with you, with you know, with uh, with everything, making sure that everything's uh, plumb and straight and and things like that. Well, one of the reasons we're so deep into architecture and design is because in the coming ten or twenty years in the construction industry, and it is moving very rapidly now, the coupling of computer-aided design, what we call CAD, C-A-D, computer-aided design, and then machine-driven manufacturing, uh, computer-aided manufacturing CAD, so the old world is CAD-CAM. Well, our designs will very soon drive uh, right now, they design clients because we can show them what the space looks like before it ever, you know, even goes to a permit request. Uh, but in the future, these computer-aided designs, our architectural team will drive 3D printers, uh, layout tools. Right now, we download them. There's a tool that we can. There's a little bitty robot. Looks like a little vacuum cleaner. You know, those robot vacuum cleaners. Download that, and they will project in laser, laser form the floor layout of that room and wow. layout lasers. So, I mean, today, tomorrow is here today and has been, but that's why we at Mosby Building Arts are so deep into computer-aided design because that's the future. And our tradesmen and exoskeletons, the military has had them, uh, limited mobility or what you might call disability. You know, Iron Man has been here for quite some time in the military. And right now today for $13,000, I can get a metal skeleton that straps on the exterior of a human body that triples and quadruples the physical strength, as well as then you can add modules for, uh, you know, um, screens or goggles, if you will. You know, so all that 3D gaming is just a few steps ahead and breaths ahead of real-life construction. Um, And, you know, for you and me, you think of the immigrant workforce, multilingual. Well, you know, what if the guy from uh, Eastern Europe presses a button and all of a sudden the plans, the words, and all the specs come out in his language? Unbelievable. Or the guy next to him is in, you know, speak Spanish, and he get, presses another, you know. There we got you about go. 30 seconds. Yeah, but, I mean, just think about that. So this is coming your way, too, Greg. These, uh, you know, trade skills are, you know, the productivity, ability, requirements, intellect, all of that. It, it is pretty exciting times. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, Scott, we got a whole other hour to go, and uh, we got some news getting ready to come up as well. So all sorts of stuff to talk about. 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. We'll see you on the other side. 